selling your blood for Christmas presents to, you know, making over a million dollars. You're listening to Ice Cream with Investors, a podcast that is dedicated to teaching you how to better invest your money so that you can live a more intentional life. I'm your host, Matt Four, and it is my goal to teach and empower you to remove the roadblocks to your financial success. All right. Welcome back to the show, everyone. Today, I'm super excited because we have Chris Craddock on the phone. Chris is a nationally certified life coach and leadership and one of the top real estate professionals in the world, closing 30 to 60 deals a month. And he is also the host of the Uncommon Real Estate Podcast, a realtor, an entrepreneur who runs 10 businesses, last time we got a count, in the DC area. Chris has multiple companies. Recently, he started the Redux Group, which sold over $160 million in volume in 2020. And there's a lot that I'm going to learn from this man. So I'll just stop right there and say, Chris, welcome to the show. Bro, thanks for having me on. I'm, I'm really looking forward to our time together. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, so since you're new to the show, we like to start off with the most difficult question. What's your favorite ice cream? Oh, man. Can I, can I give a trick question answer and say uh, cookies and cream custard? Is that a frozen custard? Okay, that would Does be that a count first. Or do I have to stick with ice cream? That would be a first. I've never heard of cookies and cream custard. I always thought it was like plain flavored, but you get cookies and cream custard? And there's there's this place called Milwaukee's Frozen Custard right across from our, our house. And uh, they have like a flavor of the day. Every day it's different. And the cookies and cream, like the uh, Oreos smashed up in the custard is glorious. I love it. it. Do you add any other toppings to it or just the cookies? Well, I love the, uh, normally I'm a cherry guy, but uh, I'll do the Sunday and do uh, strawberries on the bottom, the cookies and cream custard, strawberries on top with the, you know, all the other jazz on top of that. So yeah, I'll go, uh, I'll go strawberry Sunday, which again, it's crazy because normally I'm a cherry guy, but uh, with custard, it's, it's strawberries all the way. Yeah. Well, if you're throwing strawberries on it, it's got the vitamin C, it's healthy. It's It's calorie neutral at that point. It's like fruit by the foot. It's, it's pure health, health food, right? Or, or, or Capri Suns. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Well, uh, tell our listeners, what's the scoop? What do you do today? We jumped over to eXp Realty. So now I'll call it 11 businesses because um, there's a downline in eXp. If people sign up with, with you, you know, you get a revenue share. You, you basically are incentivized to help them succeed, which is um, really, really cool. So that's actually added a new stream of income to us. But um, the reality is I got started. I was uh, in ministry. I loved, you know, I loved ministry. Young Life was where I started and it was, I mean, changed my life. It was incredible. But when you live in the DC area, trying to make $20,000 a year and support a family doesn't work well. And so um, I ended up as, as my wife got pregnant, started flipping houses, uh, made 12 times what I made in a year in about four months. And then cont- it, that, that basically funded my life to continue doing ministry for a while. But as you have more kids, the money just kind of like mad is like, you know, Houdini, it's just there and then it's gone. And so all of a sudden, you know, I'm down to very little money, but, I, but it's okay because I loved what I was doing. I love the impact I was making on people's lives. But as you know, um, you know, money doesn't buy happiness, but the lack of money does cause stress. And so I was definitely there. And I remember in 2010, I was trying to call NIH, which is right down the street from our house, like about 30, 40 minutes. And uh, like they were essentially buying blood plasma for like 300 bucks. And I'm like, man, I can buy Christmas presents for my family. I'll sell my blood all day long. And so that's where I was. And then finally, you know, I just, I was like, man, I made a lot of money in in real estate. So I got back in, started flipping houses and making a lot of money. Although the market had changed because now all the places I was going for distressed properties, they were all short sales at this point because the market had crashed after the big crash of 08. And so I got a real estate license because the banks were paying if you bought short sales. 
during that time, you know, I'd always led large teams of people. I read Gary Keller's Millionaire Real Estate Agent, and um, I just saw that there was a blueprint to net a million dollars in real estate. And, you know, if you build out a plan and, and build out a platform for it, and it, it was really colored by numbers. And I really liked that. You know, I love to be creative, but I also love if somebody gives you, you see all this education everywhere, but I love instruction. Instruction is great. Do this next, do this next. And I think that instruction is better than education, in my opinion. And so, um, yeah, we started building that out in 2014. It took us uh, five years to get to that number, the uh, net a million number, which was uh, just incredible to go from you know selling your blood for Christmas presents to you know making over a million dollars and that was that was really cool but the best part about it is you know I've, got, I've been able to create jobs for so many of my friends and family and help so many people get wealthy in real estate and we're able to build 11 other businesses where you know we're employing so many people we're helping so many people and man it's just it's just incredible so it's you know I'm, I'm a I'm incredibly blessed man not just because of the financial side but because of the uh, the fact that I get a do what I have fun doing and, you know, be around people that I really love being around. Yeah. I think I'm going to uh, take that as the title of this episode, how to sell your blood for, for Christmas presents and then net a million dollars in the next year. That's a truly incredible story there. Well, and- it, took, it went 10 years for the record, okay. I don't that, but you know, it was 2010 and then it was, uh, I guess, 2019, I guess that we first netted a million. So nine, whatever. So anyway, okay. Yeah, <laughs> still pretty, still pretty darn good. Um, and to yeah. your point around blueprints and and creativity, I mean, success leaves clues, right? And great people uh, copy, great people steal, or good people copy, great people steal. So why not follow success? Um, I want to go back though to flipping houses. When 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 did you start flipping houses in that time period? So first, it started, it was two thousand three was the first iteration, and two thousand eleven was the second. Okay. And then how did like, so you're a youth pastor in young life. How how did you even get the inclination that you could go flip houses? Was it an HGTV thing or did you sign up for a seminar? How did you get into that? Well, so what happened was, um, you know, I, uh, yeah, where, where exactly did it come from? So my, my mom's side of the family is very white collar, right? They own, own property bankers, you know, very upper middle class, right? Like, boom, my dad's side of the family was very, like my grandfather was very blue collar, was a road worker, made $3 and 50 cents, $3 and 25 cents an hour, didn't have a high school degree, but somehow he bought properties in a place. If you know the DC area, North Arlington, which is right outside DC, which is very, like has become very, very high priced. And he ended up dying a few years ago, a very wealthy man. So I knew no matter your background, whether you're rich or poor, whether you come from a lot or a little, that real estate is, is the great equalizer. And so, you know, it was before, you know, Google was, you know, the fount of all information, right? So I just went, there's a local library just right down the street from our house. Like literally when we had our townhouse, it was right, right across Route 50, which is a road right there on the other side. So I, I just remember going up to the library and checking out every book they had on real estate investing. And I just read them all over like a week because I'm neurotic like that and just wouldn't put them down. I was so all in blinders on. And one of the things it just said is find people that are in distress and just go see if you can solve their problem because the people that make the most money are the people that solve the most people's problems. And so I just... Uh, one of the things it said was look in the newspapers, because again, it was before you found it online, look in the newspapers and find the foreclosure sales. So I just went to every newspaper and found every foreclosure sale and started knocking on doors and like 
rudimentary trying to call people and if they had landlines they'd pick up you know i was looking up like like in a white pages for Pete's sake i was looking up people's phone numbers um which is crazy because it was right as the internet was like becoming weird so i like transferred from the white pages to white pages online and just so i was calling and then driving to people's houses knocking on doors and actually one of my favorite favorite like the first one i got um, I knock on this guy's door. He comes to the door and like his girlfriend's in there and, uh, or there's a girl in there, they're watching a movie. And I'm like, Hey, I saw that you got a foreclosure. Like literally this is my script. I saw you have a foreclosure coming. Would you want to sell your house? If I could buy it, you know, if I could buy it from you. And he looks at me, closed the door, steps out on the front porch. And he was like, Hey, my girlfriend's in there. I don't want to be loud about this. Can I give you my number? Because I do want to sell it, but I don't want her to know what's going on. And I was like, yeah. So you gave me her number. And little did I know, like if I knew what I knew now, I would think he was probably just trying to like give me a fake number to get me to leave. But now like, but he, he wasn't. And so he gave me his number. I called him and he's like, hey, I want to sell. And actually that first deal ended up, even though I flipped it, we bought it um, and we were going to flip it. Um, and the second deal came about really fast. So we ended up whole tailing that deal. So actually what happened was I, he said yes. And then I didn't know what to do because I didn't have any contracts. I didn't like, I, I had nobody coaching me. So I just called a real estate agent friend that I knew and was like, Hey, can you draw this up for me? Can you like make a, I'll split the deal, but I need somebody to like make this happen. And so we, we split the deal and uh, got another deal. Like, and, and so that was kind of the story. Yeah, it's, it's amazing. It doesn't matter what you know, it's how resourceful you are and going to the library and just reading through books and then going to knock on doors like that. I mean, that's, that's the foundation of success is getting out there and doing action and then uh, just being resourceful. But you, uh, so you were doing the, the Young Life Pastor thing, flipping houses, knocking on doors. And then if I understand correctly, you also got a doctor in leadership around that time. Is that right? Well, that was a little bit later. So I, I finished, I was getting my master's degree during that time. So I got my master's degree in 06. So that was from like uh, 02 until 06 was while well, I was doing that kind of part-time at night. So yeah, I was a little bit uh, neurotic. And then, yeah. And then I went back to school um, right after that and, and got a doctorate in leadership. And uh, yeah, it was it was great. Like, I just always love leading people. I love helping people. I love the old Zig Ziglar thing. You can have everything you want in life if you help enough other people get what they want in life. And so that was kind of that whole idea behind it is how can I lead well? How can, and, and that goes into what we had talked about earlier, you know, what is your genius zone? And one of those things is, uh, is pitching vision. So if you can help people have vision for their life, you can do anything. And it really should make you come alive if you can help people realize a bigger vision for their life than they may have for themselves and uh, really start walking into that. Yeah. I mean, I think really what that is, is communication skills, right? And if somebody's coming out of high school today or coming out of college or looking for a way to up-level their skill set, the number one thing I would tell them to go do is learn how to communicate with people on a one-on-one -on -one <laughs> basis and learn how to communicate to mass audiences. Because if you have good communication skills that can't be replaced by an AI machine, a software, a robot, or anything like that. Um, what are some of the other geniuses zones? Because I've heard you talk about vision a little bit, but I've heard you talk about a couple other ones. Could you kind of run us through those? Sure. Yeah. I was actually teaching my team on one of them. Um, Brandon Burchard talks about this. This is the second 
uh, high performance habit, which is uh, um, create energy. And as you can tell, I'm, you know, I'm a high energy guy already just naturally, but I also know um, I, I was teaching on it just because like, I'm also good at building rapport, right? But just because I'm good at building rapport doesn't mean that there's not things that people aren't good, who aren't good at building rapport can't learn to become good at building rapport. The same thing's true. If you're not a high energy person, just naturally, it doesn't mean that you can't become that. So, you know, doing stuff like eating right and, and working out, you know, I work out every day. You know, and I mean, now granted, I, I, I still carry a lot around just a little bit of weight, you know, I, I, you know, I can't see all my abs anymore. Like I used to now I want to get close to that again, but you know, I guess that all, you know, abs start in the kitchen, right? Not, not yeah. from working out, but that's, that's the whole thing there is, uh, um, I, I work out. You, if you get enough sleep, um, you drink enough water, um, you, you interact with your goals, like all of these things that will help you build energy. And so I, I lean into that because I know that that's something that I have and, and something that I've seen a lot of high performers have is, is a lot of energy and you can create that energy. So that that's two. Um, number three is, uh, you know, vision casting. And uh, so I think that's really, really, really important. Well, actually, vision casting was the first one we talked about. Um, being able to speak into something, helping people see it. Um, I love the Michelangelo quote where he's talking about when he created David. And they said, "What? Uh, uh, how did you create that uh, sculpture of David? He's like, oh, well, I just looked. I saw David there. I just saw the picture of it and I chipped away the things that weren't supposed to be there. And I think that's that's what leaders should be able to do. You should be able to look at the people you're leading and say, what is the picture of what this person can be if they were to lean into the best version of themselves? And then how can you help them become that? And if you can do that, I'll tell you, there's nothing more gratifying in life than helping people become the best versions of themselves. Strategic problem solving, that's one of the other things. It's so funny. My brother and my dad used to do puzzles in our basement at night. And I was like, oh, it's so terrible. It's a big waste of time. Like I hated that. Like never, ever wanted to sit around like putting together puzzles. But then the funny thing is as a business leader, as an entrepreneur, that's all we do. It's like this spatial recognition. You know, I think... Uh, I think about Minority Report where they're like moving like things around, you know, or uh, or Iron Man, you know, <laughs> what's his name? Peter Stark. Um, just, yeah, Peter Stark, is that right? Tony? I think it's Tony, Tony Stark. Stark. I was like, wait, that is not right. It's not Peter. Um, <laughs> Tony Stark, thank you. My kids will kill me if they heard me. <laughs> Peter Stark. Uh, but, you know, where he's moving all this stuff around, kind of like spatially recognizing it. And I think that's what we do with our business as well. Um, and then the last thing is... Um, is strategic relationships. And that's one of those other things is building relationships. There's a book that I read a long time ago that I really, really love. It's called Build Your or Dig Your Well Before You're Thirsty. And if you only call people when you need them, it, you know, it, it just doesn't work that way. But if you're calling people, building a relationship, asking how you can serve other people before you ever ask for something from them, I mean, there's just power in that. Yeah, a hundred percent. And so I took out a couple pieces. One, I love the puzzle, the thing you were talking about there. I, I view investing in real estate as that. There's so many different ways that you could structure a real estate deal and finance it and underwrite it and all that kind of stuff that it's just a puzzle that you're kind of putting together. And that's how I enjoy spending my free time is just trying to figure out those different puzzles and running through scenarios. But I think the most important part of that is building the strategic relationship. So as I project out into the next 10 and 20 years, you could be replaced by software that can do tasks better than you, but the human connection and building rapport with people and building a relationship and a coalition and a team is what's going to separate 
the next level of individuals and entrepreneurs and people who are successful in their careers down the line. Any tips or tricks you would you would pull out of how to build strategic relationships or whether you should know to build a strategic relationship with the individual or not? Yeah. So there's a couple of things. I mean, one, you definitely need to just read every book you can on rapport building, how to win friends and influence people. There's an old Barbara Walters book. I believe the name is, uh, it's out of print, but it's, it's usually on Amazon for like a couple of pennies. It's like how to talk to anybody about anything at any time or something like that. It's a Barbara Walters book that is just so good. One of the things I took away from that is ask next time you meet anybody that's fabulously wealthy or, or even remotely wealthy, ask them about their first job and they'll come alive. Like, it's so funny. She said that, uh, she said that that's one of those questions. And I've done that every time I've, I've talked to somebody that's, that's successful, I ask them about their first job and you see them come alive because they're kind of proud of the fact, usually it's something, you know, really entrepreneurial that, uh, that they did creative or just hardworking. It's like out of the norm. And, and, you know, because, because they've been uncommon their whole life, right? Like there's something about them that is driven to succeed at the next level. So that's really important. The other thing is, you know, asking them about themselves, understanding that if you ask, you know, you ask about something that's in their genius zone, they're going to feel happy because they're able to give at a high level. Um, and so when you're able to ask about themselves, um, that's a really, really huge thing. And then also know a little bit of what to ask about, right? If, you, if you're, if you know, you're going to talk to somebody that's, that's high level, if you can, um, you know, get in, you know, just, do a little research ahead of time, right? And so it's, that's kind of fun. And, and and heck, you know, just think about some other questions that you can always ask, you know, what do you do for fun? That's one of my favorite questions because I like to have fun. And so when somebody says something that's fun and if, if it's something that I like, I'm like, oh, cool, we can bond on this. And if it's not, I'm like, man, maybe I should be doing this because it sounds like fun, you know? And so that's good. Or you meet a celebrity. When, I mean, every time I meet a doctor, I always ask this because my uncle's a doctor. I'm like, hey, what's the weirdest thing somebody's asked you to check out at a party, right? Like every doctor has some somebody that's asked about some weird rash on their butt, you know, or something like that. Or, or you meet a celebrity and you say, hey, what's the weirdest like, you know, fan crazy thing that you, you've ever had happen to you. And, you know, one of my, one of my buddies who's, who is a football player told me, he's like, Chris, you're never going to believe this. He's like, I had this guy come up to me and, and asked me to sign my name in, in tat or in Sharpie on his arm. And he came back to me. I saw him like the next year at trading camp. And he's like, look, I got your, your signature tattooed on my arm. <laughs> so, so they, they like to share stuff like that. So if you can ask questions that is like a little bit out of the norm, not the same questions that they get asked all the time, like, Hey, what's it like to be an actor? You know, like, but something that's a little bit different where they're able to talk about it, they're going to enjoy that. And, uh, and, and it's going to build out, bring rapport there. And, and then you'll be able to, then you have a connection that that's a little bit different than, you know, the fan, you know, I'm, I'm just a fan connection. Yeah. And I think having a diverse range of experiences as well. So my mom used to say to me growing up is I've spent a lot of money and wasted a lot of money, but I've never wasted a, a dollar traveling because traveling really opens your eyes to different ways that people see the world and their cultures and things like that. So having different experiences and backgrounds allows you to connect with different people years down the line, months down the line after you've had that experience. And I, I'm going to go back to the, the first job thing and just say that I have, a, I have a theory about that. It's because people always tell themselves a story of where I was and where I am today. And if you get to people later in their careers, it was like, here's my first job. And now here's where I am. And the story that you told yourself to build yourself there is, uh, is really self uh, boosting for them to talk about. Um, 
But one of the things I talk about a lot in investing and in real estate is that it's a team sport now. So building those strategic relationships is very, very key because you can't be great at everything. You can't even be good at a lot of things. You can only be good or great at certain things. And you've got to build a team around you to find out the areas where you're weak and to supplement them. And one of those, as people are getting involved in real estate, is really having a good real estate agent on their team or somebody that can go out there and find good properties. And I know running a successful real estate agency as yourself, you partner with a lot of investors. So I want you to talk to us a little bit about like, if I'm an investor and I approach a realtor today, how can I get them working alongside of me as opposed to, oh, here's just another investor that's looking for to double their money with no work in two months, and I'm not going to give them the best effort that I've got. Right. Yeah. No, you know, the investor that says, hey, I want to spend a hundred grand. I want to make a hundred grand on the flip. And uh, it needs to be just paint and carpet. And yeah. Like, yeah, yeah. Good luck. Yeah. Uh, so do I. Um, you know, it, I mean, that's that's one of the big things. I mean, you got to think with them, you know, what's in it for me always. And then that's kind of the key of this, the program that I teach, REI Revive. I teach investors how to monetize those leads um, because, there's a couple of things. One, if you're an investor, um, you can go to all the real estate agents and just say, hey, look, I'll be your client. Just bring bring me deals. But here's the thing, you know, don't try to beat them up, right? This is one of those, uh, those things that, that I found so many times where investors are like, they're, they're going to make 50 grand and then they, uh, they want to squeeze out another two or 3,000 by, you know, beating you up on commission. Well, Screw that. Like, like that's like that's not who you want. You want somebody that that's an abundance mindset, right? Let everybody kind of idea. So that's that's one of the keys there. The second thing is if you're an investor and you're bringing in leads, you need to find a great agent that you can work with to monetize those those dead leads, right? Because if you have 20 people that call you and say, Hey, I'm looking to sell my property, well. Of those 20, maybe four are willing to sell under market. And of the four that are selling under market, maybe you close up one. So, you know, what about those other 19? They're all going to make money for somebody. It's just going to be some other agent or some other investor. It might as well be you, right? And so if you make the right agent relationships, it really works. But here's the deal. It is so not hard. It's, it's such an easy, easy idea when you say, oh yeah, you pass those agent, those deals on to an agent. But here's the problem is that most real estate agents, they don't understand that these people are willing to talk to an investor about an easy sale, a, a quick sale, um, something that is not going on the market. But if they were going to go on the market, they've got a friend who's an agent. They've got an uncle who's an agent. They know somebody else who's an agent right? You can't just pass it on. You got to have your scripting. You got to have your dialogue. And if you don't have that, you're just going to, you're going to lose, right? You're going to lose and you're going to lose bad. So you've got to be able to work your scripting and work it well. And so that's why we created the REI Revive program so that we could teach people how to, how to script it well. Now, you, you talk to 500 people, you're going to eventually get your scripts better and you're going to get them close. Um, but you know, there's so much money to be made in real estate that that we really should be cutting the learning curve. And so that's that's why I personally, I know we talked briefly, I personally spend over a hundred grand a year on coaching and masterminding because I know that by being with people that are gonna help me see around the corner faster, compress that learning curve, I'm gonna make you know so much more than that hundred grand is is easily well spent money because then I don't have to pay the stupid tax and miss out on great deals over and over and over again. 
Yeah, this was the first year that I really invested in personal coaching. I've so most of our listeners know I'm an Ironman triathlete. I've always had like a coach for Ironman stuff because you just want somebody monitoring your body and making sure that you don't have a good workload on you and things like that. But this is the first year I invested in a coach to really help me grow a brand, grow my real estate portfolio and things like that. And I remember my first conversation with the coach, he's like, "So, tell me why you're here." And I just said, "You're where I want to be." Like that so why would I sit here and try to bang my head against the wall? trying to figure out all these tools and how to raise money and do deals and things like that when you are where I want to be. So why don't I just learn under you? And if I can add value to you in the process as well, I'm happy to do that because I'm here to learn. So I agree with you in shortening the learning curve. Um, but if, if I'm an investor, right, and I've done my uh, cold calling, my text campaigns, my mail leads and things like that, and I get somebody on the hook that maybe not is not willing to sell their home at 70 cents on the dollar or 80 cents on the dollar. So it's not a good wholesale buy for me. How do I transition that conversation over to a realtor? Like what's in it for the realtor beyond listing the property and what's, what's in it for me? Like, how do I benefit from the transaction as well? Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah. Well, well, realtors, I mean, you know, the reality is, I mean, that's how they make money is, is listing properties. And so it, 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 buying and selling, you know, properties. So, and listings, you know, if, if you know anything about a real estate agent's business, um, to build a good real estate agent business, listings make babies, right? Like that's what I always say. So it's, it's the most, it's one of the most powerful tools in real estate. Uh, I, I'm, I don't do a lot of one-on-one -on -one coaching because I'll just tell you, like I, I think most of coaching tends to be babysitting where people actually don't do what you tell them to do. And so at least that's what I've seen with other people. So I, I, I have, you know, one of my clients that um, I do some one-on-one -on -one coaching with, but again, I, I, I told them no first and they kept coming at me. And so, uh, so I started working with them. I mean, literally they're going to make, you know, probably net over half a million dollars this year in their first year, um, as having a real estate agent team um, because of the fact that they're able to use all of their investor leads to build out listings and use those listings to get a lot of buyers. So agents, it, they just know that there's so much value to listings right now. Um, and you can really build out a team. And, and I, I think next year, they'll probably end up netting close to a million dollars um, if they just continue doing what we talk about doing, because they're very coachable, um, which is one of the biggest keys to winning in life. Um, so that's the key there. And then what is what does the investor get? Um, the investor should get 35% of the deal. Now there's there's you've got to do it in a way that's compliant. But um, you know, if, if the agent makes ten thousand dollars on a commission, you should make thirty five hundred, and they should give you the thirty five hundred. And so you should be able to zero base all of your marketing. Think about that. If if you have twenty people come in, um, you get one deal a month out of twenty, and and you know, obviously, just add zeros if you want to do more more marketing. Um, so two hundred leads come in, and then you get you know whatever it is, uh, ten deals a month. Um, but uh, but if you do that, you should get at least two to four listings a month. And if you're taking 35% of those two to four listings, then you're going to pay for most of your marketing. And some people say, well, I'm in a, a small dollar area. Well, we also have a team in Baltimore. In Baltimore, we have anything from like $350,000 sales to $12,000 sales, right? And so we just did a $12,000 sale where we charged a $4,000 flat fee to sell a house plus two and a half to the buyer's agent. And so um, it's not just about a 6% commission. Like you can, you just be creative. And then as long as you solve the problem, it doesn't really matter um, where, 
like where it is, there's money to be made as long as you can solve people's problems. Yeah. And if you just do one or two of those a month, then all of a sudden you're paying for your marketing cost and you're netting zero, which I thought was a great statement there because now everything on top of that is just profit when eventually uh, before that you were just going to throw away those leads. So why not try to squeeze every bit of that marketing dollar that you can? Um, one, of my, one of my students, I'm just so, so thrilled because uh, her husband and her started an investment company and she was an agent and she's a really darn good salesperson, but uh, she could not get, uh, she could not get any traction with these leads. So she joined the program and in the first 30 days, uh, she was able to monetize four grand out of like dead leads that, uh, that she wasn't able to get. And she's like, oh my gosh, that's like, like right now, if I just keep doing what I'm doing without even getting any better that's 50 grand a year. She's like, this is great. This is great. Yeah. And that goes back to strategic relationships, right? That's something that a software or a human, a human can only put together. Like a software won't be able to do that, a computer or anything like that. So building those strategic relationships is key in the success in the next 20 years, in my opinion. And let me just say one last thing on this, because I know we need to move on, but uh, um, like, most of us, the reason we don't pay for coaching, we say, oh, I'll do it later. I'll do it later when I have money. Well, here's the deal. Um, there, you know, as a Christian guy, there's a verse in the Bible that says the person that's faithful and little will be faithful and much. And um, I'm actually, uh, I was talking to the lead pastor at our church. I'm going to be preaching on finances at our church in a few weeks. And one of the things that I learned was, heck, when I was, when I had no money and, and was, you know, trying to sell blood to have, have dollars, I was still being generous and I was still making investments. And I was still, you know, like I was still doing the right things then, which is why I'm still doing the right things now. And so many people say, Hey, you know, I'll do the right things when I have money. I say, I call BS on that. I say that's bogus. If you're not doing the right things now, you're not going to do the right things when you have money and everybody's going to be offended and get their feelings hurt. And I say, you know, big deal. Get over yourself. Like, you know, like that. That's not true. Like, the bottom line is, if you don't have money, if you're not being generous now, you're not going to be generous when you have money. If you're not being, you know, if you're not investing in yourself now, you're not going to invest in people yourself when you have money. So, do the right thing now. And I'll tell you, it, it just shows the universe that you have an abundance mindset. And when you you sow sparingly, you reap sparingly. When you sow generously, you reap generously. So that's that whole idea is, is have an abundance mindset and, and believe that investing in yourself is the best investment you can make. And I promise you, your business and your life grows. So you, you've opened a little rabbit hole that I kind of want to go down here is that I think the, the reason people get into that mindset is one, they don't have the abundance mindset, but also is because some people are so focused on doing it the right way instead of just doing it, right? So I have this saying, get going and then get good. And um, <laughs> some people don't want to invest in themselves because they don't think they have the cash flow. When really, if they invest in themselves, they would have the cash flow. Some people don't want to give because they don't feel like they have enough money. But to your point, if you started giving, then you would be the person that shows that you're a giver. And, and that's what you're putting out into the universe. How would you help people overcome that hurdle of, I don't want to go down this path or I'm not ready for this path because I don't feel like I'm perfect today to, to start down that path. Imperfect action trumps perfect inaction any day of the week, right? I, you know, we have a lake house. I love being on the water, but here's one of the things that I've learned. I can sit still without the engine running and I turn the, the wheel as much as I want and the boat's not going to turn. I got to be moving forward to turn the wheel and be able to adjust, right? You got to be moving in order to adjust. If you're not moving, you're not going to adjust. And, and here, I mean, here's a mathematic equation. An object in motion tends to stay in motion. An object at rest tends to stay at rest, right? So get into motion and adjust when you're, when you're going, right? Like it, that's the only way to do it, right? It, it just, 
I don't know. There were, when I was in ministry, one of the things that I remember uh, we used to always talk about is if you want something done, ask a busy person to do it, right? Like you think the busy person is too overwhelmed, but the reality is the people that are doing things are going to do things. The people that aren't doing things, they're not going to do it anyway. So don't even ask. Yeah. I, I was listening to a keynote this morning from James Clear. He wrote the book Atomic Habits. And one of his things is the two minute rule, right? If you, if you want, it's not about uh, having the perfect process. You don't fall up. You don't raise to the equation. You always seep down or go down to the systems you have built. So the two minute rule is basically, if you say you want to work out, then go do it for two minutes. If you want to say you want to be an investor, go do it for two minutes every day. And what you'll find is once you get there and you start doing it, you'll want to extend it past two minutes. It's really getting to the first two minutes. That's the most difficult part. So to your point around like being in a boat and object in motion, like the two minute rule encourages you to start for those two minutes and then get moving. Yeah, that's it. I love it, bro. Yeah. Um, Atomic, it's such a good book. I want to ask a quick question too. Are you an investor as well? I know you're an agent, but do you invest as well? Yeah. Yeah. That's the cool thing is I think every investor should get licensed, like straight up. They should get licensed. No doubt about it. And anybody that wants to argue, say, oh, there's disclosures. Who cares? You you, you sign a paper, a disclosure paper. Big deal. Um, Not a big deal there. So um, I think every investor should, and, and honestly, success leaves clues. Look at every big investment company, every big wholesale company, every big flip, fix and flip company. They either are agents or they have an agent that works for them and runs like a DBA through the LLC. So you got to do that. And plus, um, you know, and, and listen, if you want to get licensed, reach out to me and, and I'll get you hooked up with a, a, an amazing investment agent crew um, that will help you get really, really good. Um, so that's one. And then two, yeah, definitely invest. And if you are an agent and you're not investing, oh my gosh, you have a, you have a competitive advantage that nobody else has. You are in the industry. It's like, it's literally, it, it's, it's legit insider trading that the government allows you to do. You have insider information. What are you doing if you, if you let everybody else do it? I remember Gary Keller once said, he's like, every good deal that has hit the MLS has first slipped through a real estate agent's fingers, right? So don't be that idiot that lets somebody else get wealthy while you watch, right? Find a way to do it, right? And then this is strategic relationships. If I find, so we'll ask this quick question. So Matt, if like I've got a, an iPhone right here, right? This probably could sell it on, on eBay or, or Amazon for, you know, 800 bucks at this point, right? Because it's a uh, it's about a year old. So uh, if I were to ask you, hey, you want to buy this phone? I'll sell it to you for, for 100 bucks. It works just fine. You know, would you buy it for 100 bucks? I, I would take two. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Because you know that you can either keep this phone or just throw it up somewhere for 500 bucks, right? Just overnight. Well, here's the same thing, right? If you have the deal, the money will show up, right? If you, if you are, if you find something that's amazing, you know, literally like look me up on Instagram and just call me and, and or, or send me a message and say, Hey, I need an investor. I've got a deal that's so far under market. It's a great deal. Now, obviously a lot of times people don't know their deals and they think that, you know, it's, they see something for 250 and it'll sell for like 300 and they think it's a deal and they don't realize closing costs, agents costs, you know, holding costs, all the other stuff. And it's not a deal, but I'll tell you what, so many people see deals for 175 and it'll sell for 
325 and it doesn't, and he's paying carpet a little bit and it's just a, a killer deal. Like you, all you got to do is put that out into the world. And even if you don't have the money, you can JV it, you can wholesale it. You can do JV means joint venture for like a new investor, but you can, you can partner with somebody to do the deal and I'll partner with you. Matt will partner with you. Somebody will, anybody will partner with you if you find the deal. So yeah. Uh, long way to answer your question is yes, I'm an investor. And I think everybody should be, especially if you're in real estate. Yeah. You've, uh, you've changed my perspective a little bit on getting real estate license. My answer to this, this entire time has been, if you have a high paying W2, you're probably best suited there because once you take the license, go through that mental lift of doing that, hang your license at a brokerage firm. If you're not doing one or two deals a year, then it really doesn't start to make sense. But I agree that it does open yourself up to more strategic partnerships that you wouldn't have if you weren't an investor uh, or if you weren't an agent. So uh, you've changed my mind a little bit on that one. And can I give you a uh, one other piece? Well, if, if you have a W-2 and you're an investor, you can run your LLC through that. But otherwise, if you, have an, if you do an agent deal, like maybe you do one deal a, a year and- boom, you can take massive write-offs through your agent business. You know, and when you go out to dinner, you you got to, you, you know, obviously you need to be legit. I'm yeah. not saying do no anything. One, no legit. one here is a CPA. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So, you know, run, you know, you run your business meetings through that, you, your vacations, you know, you can figure out ways to run your business meetings through there. So anyway, there's, there's just so many reasons why, you know, having a license and, and running an LLC through your real estate license is great. Plus, uh, one other thing I, I will say is this, the more deals you do as an investor and the more you're involved in the uh, investment world, you're going to talk to more people that are doing real estate transactions. And every time you connect somebody that has a, that is about to do a real estate transaction, buy an investment property or sell an investment property or, or buy a personal residence and they talk to you, you connect them to a really amazing agent. You don't have to be that amazing agent. You can connect them to a really amazing agent and you get paid. And I mean, I'm telling you, that's tens of thousands of dollars just to make those connections. Yep. Free money, free money. Well, mm -hmm. I, I want to switch us now to our, our last uh, final round here. We're calling this the five toppings. Our first one is what is your favorite book or what is a book that you've read recently that's given you a paradigm shift? Okay. So favorite book, I know this it sounds like a cop out, but you know, I read the Bible every morning and it changed my life. Um, so I will say that. And I, and I, I think it's, it, it's not outdated. It's not a, you know, it, it will literally change your life and give you a paradigm shift every day, um, in how to live, you know, an abundance mindset. Um, so that's huge. I, I also just read a book called good strategy, bad strategy that as a, um, as a leader in organizations, I realized that so often my strategy is to work harder and that's bad strategy, right? Like it'll get your first deals done, but, but if you want to, you know, what is it like who moved my cheese? If you, what got you here will not get you there. So at some point you, you just can't work any harder to get better results. You run out of time in the day. Yeah. I, I want to ask you one follow-up question. Do you have a favorite uh, Bible verse? Oh, I'd say John 10, 10, which is uh, the thief comes to kill, steal and destroy, but I've come that you may have life and have it to the full or have it abundantly. And uh, yeah, I think that so often we think that things will give us life and it kills, steals and destroys. And uh, you know, yeah, I, I, I'm all about having an abundant full life. So. Yeah. Love it. Love it. All right. Our second one is, I believe the person you'll become in 10 years is directly correlated to the things you do every single day. What is something that you do every single day? 
I would say the biggest impact in my life is, um, is my morning routine, right? I'm naturally a night person. And I, I'll tell you all the reasons why being a night person is better than a, a morning person. But I'll tell you what, I've yet to find somebody that's massively successful that is a night person and does not wake up early and wins their morning. So I would say uh, winning my morning um, is, is pretty much the number one key to, to becoming the person who I, I continue want, wanting to be. I could not agree with you more. And one thing I've heard you say that I want to repeat and steal and take credit for myself is if you want to win the year, you have to win the quarter. If you want to win the quarter, win the month. If you want to win the month, win the day. If you want to win the day, you have to win the morning. So I love that. And it changed my life when I started becoming a quote unquote morning person versus night person. Um, I said, our, well, originality is forgetting who you stole it from. So Matt, I think that's original <laughs> to you, right? <laughs> I, I, I think Abe Lincoln actually said it. <laughs> um, Oh, man. Our third one is what's the best piece of advice you've ever received? Oh, wow. That is, oh man, you're catching me off guard on that. Like I, I'm running through all of these different things. So I think about, um, about going from where I was as a punk teenage kid to, uh, to becoming a Christian guy. I think about, um, you know, just, just learning to uh, be humble and, and take advice from others. Um, but I would say, I'd say probably the best piece of advice I've ever gotten was to, uh, to level up the people that you're around, right. That bad company destroys good behavior. And, uh, and essentially knowing the opposite of that is true, that good company is going to make you think bigger, act bigger and be bigger. Yeah, that's hundred percent correct. It goes back to the, you will never rise to the occasion. You'll always fall to the systems or the people that you're around or your environment. So could not agree more. Um, our fourth one is what's the thing you're most proud of in your life? Oh man. Um, been married 21 years to the same person have, uh, six amazing kids. Um, yeah, I, I mean, I, I don't know. I, I, like, I have a number of things that I'm just so, so thankful for, you know, I'm, I'm thankful for my family, thankful for my kids. Um, and I'm just, I mean, honestly, if I look at it, I, I would probably say the fact that I've been able to impact um, so many people's lives, that, that would probably be it, both my family and, and all the people that um, I'm able to you know, lead as far as uh, the companies and organizations we're a part of. Love it. Well, our last one is, if you could sit down and eat a bowl of ice cream with anyone dead or alive, who would it be and why? Oh man. I know. Like I, like I'm not normally like super spiritual guy, like publicly, you know, I, I'm, I'm definitely a Christian, but I, I definitely would have to say Jesus. Cause like change the world. Right. So like, that would be, that would be it. And uh, yeah, that'd be mine. That's actually the number one person that we've been uh, that's given on that answer right now so far. So you're in okay. good company. <laughs> I'm like, man, I'm like quoting Bible stuff. Like, like I'm like literally feel like I'm preaching right now. And uh, yeah. So I, I mean, I don't mind it. I think it's great, but I just, uh, yeah, go more, <laughs> more all in the normal. Awesome. Well, Chris, this has been fantastic. By far the most energetic one we've ever done uh, on the show so far. If our listeners wanted to reach out and learn more about you and what you got going on, where's the best place we could send them? If you're a real estate agent uh, who's also an investor, I've got a podcast geared to real estate agents and investors called Uncommon Real Estate. And I know the average podcast listener listens to seven podcasts. I'd love to be one of your other seven along with this one. Um, so that's that's an easy one right there. 
Um, my website, if, you, if you're bringing in any leads, go to chriscraddick.com and click the apply button and we'll give you a shout. We'll look at your business, either myself or someone in our team. We'll look at your business, see if there's something there where we can partner together and help you make a lot of money on your, uh, on your leads you're not monetizing today. And then um, finally, um, I've worked really hard to answer any question um, on uh, that if anybody ever DMs me on uh, on Instagram. So if you DM me, I'll answer every question. People have been so generous with me when I was coming up through stuff and people are even now. So I'm, I work to answer every question. I actually just started a TikTok account, throwing out some videos and stuff. So if anybody ever wants to um, check it out, I think it's just Chris Craddock official on there. And I don't know much about it. One of my buddies is like, all right, come on. You got to start putting this out. So this is where I'm growing and uh, adding value to the world. So yeah, if it if it's terrible, yeah, you can make fun of me privately. <laughs> yeah. yeah, love it. We'll leave all those uh, descriptions in the show notes, except for TikTok. I, I will have to try to figure that out as well, because even though I know it's, it's all the craze these days, I don't know much about it either. But Chris, this has been fantastic. I look forward to having you back on the show soon. Bro, this has been awesome. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Ice Cream with Investors. If you like what we serve you here, it would mean the world to me if you would like, subscribe, and leave a review on your favorite podcast app.